Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's business time, baby. The Solo Monster sounds off. It's such good shit. Mama Monster. Conquered the street. Like fighting a woman? Oh my god, we're only an hour in. We have two more hours of this. Come over here and fight me! Fight me! You haven't been beat up properly! Woo! <laughs> Back on dry land from my maiden voyage on the high seas and karaoke with John Moxley. This is episode 636 of the Solomonster Sounds Off for Royal Rumble Sunday, January 26, 2020. I am the Solomonster. I have much to share about the Chris Jericho Rockin' Wrestling Rager and AEW Dynamite on a Boat and that cowardly Orange Cassidy imposter who didn't have the balls to show up. Thankfully, the real deal made it on board and met far too many people who actually thought that I was the man himself. It was scary how many people seemed to legitimately think that uh, I was in fact Orange Cassidy. Or am I? You still have not seen the two of us in the same place at the same time, so how sure can you really be? The most satisfying feeling, though, was our last night on the ship when I finally was able to shave my face. I could not take it anymore. I don't know how you people do it. It was all itchy. I couldn't wait to shave that shit off. In the span of five minutes, I went from Orange Cassidy back to Daniel Bryan. It was great. Anyway, I'll get into all that later. Uh, That'll probably be most of the show this week, since uh, being on that ship really took me out of the loop. Uh, I've been trying to play catch-up for the last two days. No RSPW Rewind this week. That'll be back next week. And I did not get to see NWA Hard Times. They had their pay-per-view on Friday night. Did not have a chance to see it. I have not even gone through all of the results yet. But I did watch Worlds Collide last night. NXT versus NXT UK, so I am going to have a review. I'll talk about that. Uh, a little bit later on, and uh, we're going to go through some updates to the Royal Rumble card tonight. We'll do that first, Uh, but before all that, just to run through some business here, don't forget Audible.com is still partnered up with the SoundOff, offering everybody listening a free book. If you just use our link, audibletrial.com slash solomonster, here in the month of January, you still have time left. Punch in that URL, sign up for their 30-day trial. And you can cash in on one free wrestling book or non-wrestling book of your choosing, audibletrial.com slash solomonster. Also, if you want to become a PayPal VIP, you may do so on thesolomonster.com. You'll see the PayPal button on the right-hand side of the page. And also now, I have added it to the top of our YouTube page. So if you go to the main Solomonster Sounds of YouTube page for the channel... You'll see some little icons up top, probably for, you know, Spotify and iTunes and all that. Uh, You'll see a Donate Now link for PayPal. If you click that button, it'll take you to the same place. And $10 or more will get you a nickname and a shout-out. Thank you to John Loose Cannon Lopez, the Portland pop star Paul Hamilton, Deadpool James Herrera, the Florida Freebird Brian Becerra, Beast Mode Brock Joseph, Raymond the Mountie Medina, Killshot Keith Hart, 
the Moldovan masochist, Alexandru Mata. He, uh, he's kind of the Brutus Beefcake here of the PayPal uh, rundown this week. He changed his name. He has a new gimmick now. After all these years, he is now the Moldovan masochist. Luis Hercules Hernandez, Velvet Revolver Robert Murray, the Chicago Slayer Willie Iker, the Diamond Dallas Dance Machine, Harrison Soap, New York Punk, Arnold Modesto, Michael Rambo Reap, Mass Debate, Featherweight, Matt Fate, Mr. Black, Quentin Moore, who's celebrating a birthday today, so happy birthday to Quentin as he trucks across the country listening to this podcast. Happy birthday to Nick D from his brother Bruno. Bruno was introduced to the podcast by his older brother, giving him a very happy birthday shout-out this week. And also want to shout-out some folks on iTunes. It's Don Peter, C. Browning 250, Jstall 60 who's been listening to the podcast at his office job for two years now. Coincidentally, productivity in that office is down 75%, but that's okay. And CNN Isis says he has not missed a show I just love that. Uh, has not missed a show in eight years. So thank you all for the five stars on iTunes. We have had over 2,500 entries so far, and there's still time left, into our 7th Annual Royal Rumble Facebook pool. So we have broken the previous record of 2430 from last year. Uh, I don't know how many pools we're up to. Probably about 81, maybe 82. We're on our way to uh, 82 so we have shattered last year's record i thank you i really didn't know if we were going to do that or not but we did and so i thank you all for that and my thanks and i'll keep saying it to zach holker who puts a tremendous amount of time and effort into this pool each and every year it was his brainchild he started it seven years ago he's the one who puts everything together goes through all the names issues the numbers i have i'm totally hands off with that because i'd have no time for it uh, but I'm part of this like all of you. I got my number, and uh, there's prizes that are going to be issued for the third, second, and first place winners. We've been through what those prizes are. You can look them up in the thread if you want to know what the winners are going to receive. There's still time to enter. A few more hours. Just find the original post pinned up top in the group in the announcement section and like the post. Uh, I would say maybe leave a comment at this point for Zach just to make sure he sees you. Maybe you want to tag him, Zach Holker. Uh, but there is still time. You can still enter up until a couple of hours or so before the pay-per-view tonight. Uh, numbers have already been issued for everybody else who's already applied. Uh, you can still get your number, but everybody should have a number by now. It is uh, They are listed in a separate post that is linked within the original one if you want to find out where the numbers are. Uh, take advantage of the Control-F function if you're using Windows at least. Uh, and then that is the easiest way to search for your name. Uh, on this just wall of text with 80-some-odd pools. Control-F, type in your name. It should pop up if it's on the list. If it's not, uh, you can let Zach know. I drew number 26 this year, which is funny because I drew number 25 last year, which was Rey Mysterio in the Men's Rumble and Sonya Deville in the Women's Rumble, neither of whom went on to win. And 25 is a good number, but so is 26. So I'm going to remain optimistic about my chances this year. Uh, I won my pool three years ago with the number 23 spot. Randy Orton entered that year at number 23. That was the rumble they did at the Alamo Dome. And he went on to win the entire thing. So now we root for number 26. The plan 
is for me to do the final Ultimate Rumble pool, most likely, live on YouTube after my Dynamite stream uh, this Wednesday. There's not going to be enough time for me to go through everything tonight uh, to do it on the Rumble stream. But when I go live for my AEW Dynamite review on Wednesday, when that review is over, I plan to uh, spin the wheel live on the air, and I'll pick the first, second, and third place winners on the air. So that way you have a a visual aid, and you can watch, and everything's on the up and up. And so that's the current plan. By by then, we should have all the winners and all the different pools sorted. I can then take all 80-some-odd names, uh, because the way it works is each person who won their respective pool will be added to this final ultimate pool. From whence we will choose the third place winner first, and then the second place winner, and then of course the uh, the grand prize, the grand poobah. So uh, that's the plan. And again, still some time to get in on the action if you are not yet in the pool and get your number. I did my Royal Rumble predictions a week early because I knew I was going to be away this past week. But if you missed them, uh, let me run through the card one final time, and I'm going to sprinkle in some thoughts on. Uh, some of the events that went down on Raw and SmackDown this week on the go-home shows. I did go back and I watched what I missed uh, while I was in the middle of the ocean this week. The pay-per-view airs tonight from Minute Maid Park in Houston, Texas. In a newly added match, Andrade will defend his United States Championship against Humberto Carrillo, uh, who returned from his storyline injury on Raw this past week to save Rey Mysterio from a similar fate as the one that befell him when Andrade DDT'd him onto the exposed concrete. It was probably about a month ago at this point. Uh, he rescued Ray from a similar fate after his ladder match on Raw against Andrade. The first ladder match, we were told, and I couldn't believe this when they, when they mentioned it, but the first ladder match on Monday Night Raw in 13 years. Now think of all the matches, three hours now. This show has been three hours since 2012. That's a lot of matches, a lot of content, a lot of gimmick matches, table matches, falls count anywhere matches, two out of three falls matches. And to think that we have not had a ladder match on Raw, at least a one-on-one ladder match, in 13 years seems impossible to believe. But apparently it's true. Before Monday, the last one uh, that I could find a record of was the 15th anniversary of Raw, way back in 2007, with Jeff Hardy against Carlito. For the Intercontinental title. Uh, I thought some of the spots in that ladder match from Monday were just stupidly dangerous. Especially with Ray in there. I mean, you talk about tempting fate. He's done pretty well as far as avoiding injury in his comeback here so far in WWE. I mean, he was out for a little while with an arm injury. But uh, in terms of his knees and everything else, Ray has, you know, held up pretty damn well. After a period many years ago where it seemed like he was made out of glass. And then you put him a week before the Royal Rumble on the go-home episode of Raw in a ladder match where he is taking these stupid bumps. I mean, there's no such thing as a safe ladder match. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
But this was even more dangerous than the uh, than the standard fare that you would. I mean, I guess outside of Money in the Bank. But some of the things that these guys did, even Andrade at one point, you know, he took some bump backwards off the ladder and his head, it looked like the back of his head smacked another ladder. I'm like, what are you doing? Do you want these guys to be off the pay-per-view on Sunday? I mean, it was it was a good match. I give them their props. It was a damn good match, but man. So Andrade won after giving Ray a hammerlock DDT down through a ladder. Carrillo made the save after the match. I think this will be a good match uh, tonight between Andrade and Carrillo to open the show if they want to open the show with it. I mean, maybe they want to open with the women's rumble uh, or the men's rumble. Who knows? Maybe you want to separate the two rumble matches. But I think this would be a good match to open with. Uh, It also may well just end up on the kickoff. But Andrade is not losing that championship. Andrade retains. Uh, Ray actually gave an interview to TV Insider. And suggested that maybe they can find a way to stretch things out all the way to WrestleMania. And they do a hair versus mask match. Uh, Whether it's for the title or not. Between uh, he and Andrade. I'd be down for that. Preferably without them uh, killing themselves with ladders. We've got Sheamus against Chad Gable. I picked uh, Sheamus last week. I mean, my my mind has not changed on any of these predictions, by the way. Uh... These two, I think, this will be the first time we see them in the ring one-on-one. And I can envision a scenario where these two end up having good chemistry the way that Sheamus always had with Daniel Bryan. And if if that's the case, and if they give them some time, this could be a really fun match. Or, given that Sheamus just came back, uh, they can have him just destroy Gable in three minutes and be done with it. But Sheamus is the winner either way. King Corbin. Against Roman Reigns in a Falls Count Anywhere in the stadium match. If they take advantage of the stipulation here in this big baseball stadium. And they get creative with it. It could be fun. It could be fun. The stipulation, the the, the setting that they're going to be in. If they get creative with it, it could turn out to be fun. But whether it does or it doesn't. This needs to end tonight. This has to be the end of this feud. I am so sick to death on this SmackDown show every week. Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, King Corbin, Roman Reigns. Fuck off. Enough. This ends tonight. Which, of course, means that, given the stipulation, they can have Baron Corbin win. And then have Roman Reigns win the Royal Rumble. And then have another match at the next pay-per-view between them. Fuck off. This has to end tonight. And Roman Reigns is still my prediction to win. Because any other outcome here means this feud is not over. And I don't even want to entertain that as a possibility, even though I just did. But let's pretend I didn't say that. We have Bayley defending her SmackDown Women's Championship against Lacey Evans. Lacey had pinned Bayley in a non-title match two weeks ago on SmackDown with the woman's right. I don't think she does the same thing here. In fact, I think the SmackDown Women's title match at WrestleMania will probably end up being Sasha Banks against Bayley. And so in order to do that, Bayley has to keep the title. Now, I watched that Lacey Evans promo from SmackDown where Michael Cole walked over on stage and he interviewed Lacey Evans and she got all emotional talking about her father and his battle with addiction and bullies and she hates bullies. And, you know, look, she she was getting emotional during the promo. 
Just because she got emotional during the promo does not make it a good promo. And I'm looking at the substance of what this woman is saying here in this character on this television show. And she's talking about Sasha and Bailey and how they're bullies and I'm not going to stand around. I hate bullies. I just dislike bullies and I had to stand up and do something about it. And I'm listening to all of this stuff. And and I was not a fan of this, but as you could tell, I was not a fan of this. As someone who did nothing but bully from the very first day that she picked a fight with somebody on TV, I have to now sit here and listen to Lacey Evans suddenly be so anti-bully. It just feels so forced. Like, you know, a Lacey turn, which I had been advocating, I thought that could be a good thing for her. You could do a Lacey Evans turn, it would have been fine without all of the I hate bullies crap. Just like Chad Gable. Would have been fine. Not a headliner, but he would have been fine. He was already, you know, he was getting some fan support behind him through his performances, his efforts in the ring. He would have been fine without all of the I embrace who I am, shorty G bullshit. When did these shows become so agenda-driven? I mean, I know it was already with all the, the, the women's revolution stuff and the labels they love to put on that to the point that even the women in the company were saying enough with calling it the women's revolution. They love their labels. But when did these shows become so agenda-driven? Every storyline, every everything has to have some kind of agenda, some kind of narrative to it. It's like they have a quota that they need to reach on. How, how many narratives and agendas can we put forward? All right, this person, you're going to... No bullies, anti-bullying, and then this guy, you're short, so, you know, believe in who you are, and, and, and don't, you know, embrace who you are, and what's going on here? What is this nonsense? I mean, I get that it's, it's a show that's targeted at children. Actually, that's not even true. You look at the Lana Lashley stuff on Monday night, I don't see how you can say this is a show that's targeted to children, but they, they sure do love to uh, cater to the PG uh, children demographic. Maybe they feel like uh, this is Aesop's Fables or something, and every everything has to have some kind of moral to the story here. Hint, hint. It doesn't. Enough with the agenda crap. It feels forced. Becky Lynch defends her Raw Women's Championship against Asuka. This has to be the night that Becky finally gets that uh, gets that win that she has not been able to get over Asuka. I mean, look, if Asuka were to win, <laughs> you get no arguments out of me. I think it would take a lot of guts on their part to have Asuka win again when people probably figure Becky's getting her win back. And Asuka's one half of the women's tag team champions. So people look at this and go, Asuka's not winning the title. She's not going to have two belts. They're not going to have her beat Becky again. But what if she did? What if she did? And they dragged this out to WrestleMania. And at WrestleMania, Becky gets her big win. This is assuming they're not doing anything with Becky and Rousey, which I still feel like they will. That'd be pretty incredible if they actually had the guts to do that. I don't think they will. So Becky Lynch wins here. She gets her win and she retains her championship. Daniel Bryan takes on the Fiend Bray Wyatt for the Universal title in a strap match. Uh, I I can't get excited about this. I, maybe it's the stipulation. I've it's I can't think of the last time I saw a strap match in WWE. That was this amazing match. I mean, Savio Vega and Steve Austin had uh, at least one really uh, memorable strap match from what I can remember. I mean, it can be done if uh, you have the right talent and you book the match in the right way. 
the Fiend's matches so far. I mean, I love the the character, the split personality shit. I love all that. But his matches leave a lot to be desired. I'm not sure adding a strap match stipulation is necessarily the wisest move. But I trust in Daniel Bryan. It is not impossible, but it's very difficult to put Daniel Bryan out there in a big pay-per-view match like this and have him shit the bed. So I don't think this is gonna, he's going to shit the bed, but I do wonder uh, how they're going to pull this off. To me, the outcome is not really in doubt. I can't see them taking the championship off of Bray, at least not before WrestleMania. So I think The Fiend retains, but I could see some kind of uh, bullshit finish here. You know, maybe it keeps Bryan in the title picture, because I'm looking ahead to WrestleMania. And if Bryan is not in the championship picture, I'm not sure what you do with Daniel Bryan. Who do you put him in there against? What What's the obvious WrestleMania match for Daniel Bryan, unless you keep him? Locked into this championship feud in some way. I just don't and and don't even don't even float the name Baron Corbin to me because I don't want to hear that. But I don't see any obvious match for him heading into WrestleMania. But I think uh, the Fiend retains, and then we have the thirty woman Royal Rumble match. Still a lot of spots to be filled, uh, but my pick is still Ronda Rousey to return to uh, when and her name has not been talked about supposedly. She's not been seen or heard from and. It doesn't sound like she's going to be in the Royal Rumble, although uh, they just released a new Ronda Rousey shirt, interestingly enough, on WWEShop.com. So uh, perhaps that's a sign of something, or it could be a sign of nothing. But I'm sticking with her as my pick. I think she comes back as a surprise. She wins the Royal Rumble. She gets that one-on-one match with Becky Lynch that she did not get at last year's WrestleMania. Uh, Shayna Baszler, I fully expect her to be in this match. I'd be shocked if she didn't show up as a surprise in the Royal Rumble. Uh, she could win. If, if not Ronda, she would be my number two pick here, that she would win and take on Becky instead. I did float the Nia Jax idea on the show last week, which I am actively rooting against. Uh, on the SmackDown side, the only conceivable winner to me would be Sasha Banks. With Sasha going on to challenge Bayley for the championship at WrestleMania, I'd be okay with that too. But I think Ronda returns, and and maybe it comes down to her and Sasha, which was last year's title match at the Royal Rumble, and then Ronda dumps her out to win. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then we have the 30 man Royal Rumble match with WWE champion Brock Lesnar. Entering in the number one spot, Cain Velasquez says in all these interviews that he's going to be in the Royal Rumble match. Maybe he eliminates Brock. Brock kicked Ricochet in his uh, dickochet last Monday, so maybe Ricochet gets his revenge by dumping out Lesnar. Kofi Kingston may be looking for revenge as well. None of these are going to end up being Brock's match at WrestleMania. I mean, Velasquez could. 
But it's not going to be Brock against Ricochet. It's not going to be Brock against Kofi. They're not even on the same brand. But that doesn't mean you can't give them some memorable revenge spot where Brock is distracted and they dump him out of the ring. Look, you can have anybody eliminate Brock Lesnar with the right distraction. If Marco fucking Stunt was a surprise in the Royal Rumble match, even Marco Stunt could eliminate Brock Lauer. would not advocate that. <laughs> but with a little bit of assistance, even he could eliminate Brock Lesnar if you do the right distraction. If somebody is outside the ring and distracting Brock, I mean, these wrestlers are easily distracted by their own theme music, okay, or someone else's theme music. Anybody can eliminate anyone at any given time. So, yes, you can give it to Kofi, you can give it to Ricochet. There's a lot of possibilities here. Look, maybe we get some surprise NXT entrant who goes face-to-face with Brock. There's lots of possibilities here. Seth Rollins. He said on Monday night he wants to go back-to-back and win the Royal Rumble again. Uh, Maybe his new partner, Buddy Murphy, dumps him out. You know, it is every man for himself. Rollins and Murphy, by the way, are the new Raw Tag Team Champions after beating the Viking Raiders last Monday. They have an actual tag team in their stable, but the belts go to the two single stars. But I'm okay with it because it puts gold around Buddy Murphy's waist. Not the first time, not the last time we'll see that, hopefully. Uh, Puts gold around his waist, and I'm glad to see them positioning him so high up on the card. Uh, Rollins, meanwhile, set a new record on Monday now for most reigns as Raw Tag Team Champion with six, and he did it with five different partners. Did it twice with Dean Ambrose, once with Roman Reigns, once with Jason Jordan, let's not forget him, once with Braun Strowman, and now with Buddy Murphy. Uh, Drew McIntyre, he's promised to Claymore Randy Orton's head off his shoulders after Orton caught him with an RKO on Monday. So you got that little side story going on. In the end, I think that they go the predictable route and have Roman Reigns win and challenge the Fiend at WrestleMania. I have not been paying much attention to all of the potential surprises that have been listed on some websites. You know, this person's been spotted in Houston and this person's been spotted. The only thing I said was a couple weeks ago that The Undertaker was spotted at the Performance Center in Orlando. Now, Orlando is not Houston, so just because he was at the PC does not mean that he was training for a cameo in the Royal Rumble, but it could. It could. And it, and, and that would certainly be a surprise. Uh, although, I'm not sure what purpose it would serve, unless he was winning the whole thing, because if he gets dumped out, then it would have to be by somebody he's going to wrestle. Maybe it sets up a WrestleMania match for him. Hey, they have a Saudi Arabia show next month. Maybe it sets up his opponent for Saudi Arabia. Uh, we'll find out. But I've intentionally stayed away from reading up on any potential surprises Uh, I'm not even sure there are going to be very many. They only have about three spots open in the men's rumble. I think they have 27 of the 30 spots already filled up. So in terms of surprises, like a legend, or in terms of NXT talent, there aren't very many spots left open here. Triple H last night after the World's Collide show, he did say there's going to be NXT talent in the rumble. He just didn't say which rumble. Maybe more in the women's rumble than the men's. Uh, I always look forward to the Royal Rumble, no matter how bad the product may be. I always look forward to the Royal Rumble. And there have been some years where the product was just god-awful. I wouldn't say it's god-awful. Well, maybe SmackDown is. Raw Raw has shown some signs of life recently. Uh, But regardless, I always look forward to the Rumble. I'm always a mark for the Rumble, have been since I was a kid. And I just don't want them to screw it up. (laughs) Just give me an entertaining Royal Rumble. 
That's all I ask. If I remember correctly, I think the ones last year were actually pretty good. So I'm hopeful that uh, tonight will be uh, good as well. I will be going live on YouTube after the pay-per-view. It's the Rumble, so who knows when the show is going to end. It could end at 11, it could end at 10.45, it could end at 11.30. I have no idea. Uh, But I will be going live on YouTube shortly after the pay-per-view goes off the air. So go to the Solomonster Sounds of YouTube channel, hit that sub button if you are not already subscribed. You should get an email notification uh, when I go live. And uh, you can join me for a full recap of tonight's Royal Rumble pay-per-view. Before I get into all the AEW stuff and the Jericho Cruise, let me uh, tackle NXT first. Uh, I did go back and I watched the NXT show uh, from Wednesday. Just a a few keynotes here. Io Shirai did wrestle Tony Storm uh, to a DQ finish when Bianca Belair got involved. Io tweaked her knee during the match. I I don't think it's a storyline injury. I think it's a legitimate injury. She could be out for up to two months. Uh, She tweeted a photo of a knee brace. And that sucks. We need her back soon. She's one of the highlights of that show every week. So hopefully it's uh, hopefully it takes less than two months, but hopefully no more than that. They did have two semifinal matches in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic this week. We now have our final match coming up next week. The first semifinal match, the Grizzled Young Veterans taking on the Undisputed Era. Surprising finish. I would not have predicted that the uh, Undisputed Era would fall uh, to uh, GYV, but they did. Pretty good match, but uh, Drake and Gibson move on to the finals. I believe, are they still the uh, NXT UK Tag Team Champion? I believe they are. I could be wrong, maybe they've lost them, but uh, anyway, they move on to the finals. And then the other semi-final match, we have the Broserweights, Matt Riddle and Pete Dunne taking on Imperium, Fabian Eichner and Marcel Bartel. And the Broserweights pick up the win. Uh, Both matches this week were very good. Uh, I love how they've gone all in now on the weed humor with Matt Riddle. They just embrace it now. (laughs) If Pete Dunne saying that Matt Riddle is going to smoke you. you Last night at Worlds Collide, they had both teams in the crowd for some uh, final promos to hype up their match next week. They had Dunne telling uh, grizzled young veterans that he's going to be... I'm going to be blunt here. And then the excitement in the background on Matt Riddle's face when he said that was just priceless. And uh, Zach Gibson was talking about joint manipulation stuff. You know, the joint manipulation that Pete Dunne does in a lot of his matches. And then Riddle just takes the mic and says, Bro, you know, I'm sorry, man. All I heard was you talking about manipulating a joint. Just a very different kind of joint than the one that uh, Pete Dunne loves to manipulate. But they do not hide it now. They've gone all in on the weed humor with Matt Riddle. Which is funny because unless things work differently in NXT, they actually have a, or or had, maybe they've done away with it, but they had a, like a penalty if you were caught smoking weed. It was almost like they look at it like a weed tax almost, where guys just smoke anyway and then they just pay the fine. It's like a $2,500 fine. If that's still in place, just imagine the fines that this guy must have racked up so far. But they just they just make fun of it on TV. And uh, they had the North American Championship on the line in the main event. Keith Lee beating Roderick Strong. 20-minute match. Uh, Very good match. Very good match. Not uh, any kind of classic that uh, you're going to remember months from now. But they had a very good match. And uh, Keith Lee is the new North American Champion. So they did put gold on him, just not the gold. They didn't put the NXT title on him. And him being the North American Champion now tells me that he is not going to be 
coming to the main roster. Or, uh, well, I guess, they're again, they're all kind of main roster now. Raw and SmackDown anytime soon. I think that's probably a good thing if we're being honest with each other. Doesn't mean that he can't show up as a cameo in the Royal Rumble tonight. But they just put that title on him. He's not going anywhere. So, you know, what I saw was enjoyable. And uh, this week coming up, we've got Tegan Knox taking on Dakota Kai. I'm kind of surprised they're not holding off until TakeOver. I'm sure they're going to have a match at TakeOver. So either they're going to do some kind of an angle more than a match on Wednesday. uh, Or they'll have a match and it'll just be brief. And it'll have some kind of finish that leads into maybe a stipulation match at the uh, TakeOver show in Portland. But they're going to wrestle this Wednesday. Plus, we have the finals of the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic uh, between the Broserweights and the Grizzled Young Veterans from NXT UK, with the winners getting an NXT Tag Team Championship match in Portland at TakeOver next month. Now, I did catch last night's Worlds Collide show. Members of the NXT brand against members of the NXT UK brand. I thought it was an excellent show. Uh, on par with what you would expect from an NXT TakeOver. I thought even better than the brand warfare they did at Survivor Series, if only because Walter was not treated like an afterthought here, the way he was at Survivor Series. What a fucking injustice that was. Kaylee Ray beat Mia Yim on the kickoff show. Good match, outside of uh, some of those punches that Mia threw. Yikes. Yikes. Kaylee Ray, by the way, was announced as the NXT UK champion, not the NXT UK women's champion. Same with Rhea Ripley, who is now being announced not as the NXT women's champion, but as the NXT champion. They have done away with the gender identification on their women's titles. Uh, We'll see if they do the same on the main roster. I guess we'll find out tonight at the uh, Royal Rumble if this is just an NXT thing or not. I I think it's searching for a solution to a problem that doesn't exist. But for the people who say, well, it's it's very confusing. You can't do that because now I'm all confused. You're calling her the NXT champion. It's not confusing. So long as they don't do intergender wrestling in WWE, which they do not. And Triple H has said uh, that is something they will not be doing. So as long as you know they don't have uh, you know the intergender stuff then you won't confuse Adam Cole for Rhea Ripley, I promise you. Any other promotion where they do have intergender matches, like Impact right now with Tessa Blanchard, then yes, it would be confusing to rebrand your titles in that way. I just think it's completely unnecessary. That's my uh, thought on the whole thing. I think this is completely unnecessary. I saw the Becky Lynch comments from WWE Backstage last week about wanting to do away with the women's labels on TV, the women's division, and and wanting to do away with that. And she got a lot of flack for those comments, and has since issued a clarification on her Twitter page, uh, explaining that, you know, she was talking not about renaming the division, but about rethinking it, and how limiting it can be to ascribe the women's label to everything. So, for example, you have people that sometimes will look at a pay-per-view and they'll say, well... Uh, we already have three women's matches on the show. So we don't need any more than that. Why do we need more? You know, that, that sort of thing. And to that, to that end, I think it's a valid point. There should not be a limit on something like that. If they had five women's matches, and some people just don't like women's wrestling, I get that. But if they had five women's matches that were interesting enough to put on a pay-per-view, 
let's say the pay-per-view has 10 matches or 11 matches, and and half of them are going to be women's matches. But they're interesting enough. They're compelling matches. They've been built up for a long time. The talent involved is really good. They always deliver. Then great. Put those five matches on, is what I say. And if they don't, then you go with the matches that are more interesting. Here's the problem. They don't have enough women on Raw and SmackDown right now that are good enough to do that with. Or at least what they have them doing right now is not interesting enough. Becky and Asuka, for example, that's a good long-term story that they came back to. Becky and Ronda Rousey, that was a hot rivalry in the months leading up to WrestleMania last year. And it deserved to be in the main event, rightfully so. They deserve to be in the main event headlining that show. I don't want women's matches, or cruiserweight matches, or midget matches, or any division-specific matches, headlining shows, or flooding shows, unless they're good enough to headline shows and to fill up the cards. I don't want these things to be decided upon based on someone's genitalia. I want them to be based on skill level and how interesting the stories are. And part of that, you know, is is on the way that WWE books these women. WWE has headlined Raw now for weeks with this Lana, Lashley, Rusev, Liv Morgan crap. And it sucks. I won't even watch it. I saw that was the main event on Monday. I, I didn't even watch the match. I don't know what happened. I don't know who won. I don't give a shit. If that's their idea of headlining with the ladies on Monday nights, then I have no interest in seeing it. So Becky can talk about how limiting it is to use the term women's But she should look at her bosses in the face and lay the blame there because they're the ones that spent years conditioning the fans and brainwashing them to think the way that they do about these things. And they're not doing the ladies any favors with what they've been doing with the women on Monday Night Raw and on SmackDown lately. The NXT women's division blows both shows out of the water. I will happily watch NXT shows that are headlined by the women. Stripping away the word women's from everything is not going to do shit to change how people perceive women's wrestling. Talent and stories will. Those are the two most important things. Talent and stories. I don't care what labels you do or don't put on it. Rant over. That's it. I've said my piece. Finn Balor. He had a match against Ilya Dragunov. Dragunov had lost to Cesaro several months ago in a fantastic match, and this was another excellent match, albeit another losing effort for him. He seems to be a project for the NXT UK brand that's that's coming along nicely. Uh, he just needs to do less of those thigh slaps, which were distractingly noticeable to me during this match. I mean, he's hardly the, the only one who does them. He's hardly the only one who overdoes them. But he's got to cut back on that a little bit. Balor looked great here. That standing foot stomp he did to the chest looked just brutal. Uh, and then the one off the top rope, followed by the 1916 for the win. You knew he wasn't losing here before having the match against Gargano in Portland. Uh, but I thought these two had an excellent match. Angel Garza, Isaiah Swerve Scott, Jordan Devlin, and Travis Banks. Fatal four-way for the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. The new look Cruiserweight Championship belt, now all black. With an NXT center plate, not a WWE logo plate. It looks a lot better. Uh, The Barney, the purple, the dinosaur belt is dead and buried. Maybe somebody can uh, excavate it 65 million years from now and put it in a museum. Uh, (laughs) As if humans will even be around 65 million years from now. They'll be wiped out long before then, I assure you. 
Uh, Petey Williams. Wanted to mention this here. You may remember Petey Williams, right? From, uh, what was he, Team Canada in uh, TNA Wrestling back in the day. He was the innovator of the Canadian Destroyer. He wins for Sad Tweet this week. Not because he said something stupid, but because he said something that unfortunately had a lot of truth to it. And is very sad. He tweeted last night, I don't know if it was during or after the Cruiserweight match was over. Uh, but there were some gifts online. And one of the gifts online was of a Destroyer spot. Which looked smooth as all hell. It looked great. But of course it didn't win the match. And so PD tweeted... I'm sorry, everybody. I never meant for it to be a transition spot. A sad but accurate tweet. I, too, have said before, having watched Pentagon do it in Lucha Underground and and not always using it as a finish, that the Destroyer is not a move that should have ever been used as a transition spot. It should always be, or should have always been used as a finish. And now it doesn't feel like one at all because it's been used as a transition so much everywhere in WWE, in NXT, in AEW. I mentioned Lucha Underground before. Everywhere. It's just spread over these last last few years like a virus. You know, even Adam Cole. One of Adam Cole's best moves is the Panama Sunrise. Well, what is the Panama Sunrise? It's a destroyer. You know, he uses the last shot. As his finish. A knee to the ba- a knee strike to the back of the head. Alright, that's pretty brutal in theory, right? You don't want somebody smashing their knee into the back of your head. The Panama Sunrise should be his finish. It's a cool looking move. You're spiking the guy right on top of his head. It always gets a reaction. Why can't he win his matches with the Panama Sunrise? Why does he have to use that as a setup move? There's a lot of people, a lot of great wrestlers. But a lot of people are guilty of this. I think Petey is absolutely right. The finish came when uh, Angel Garza landed the wing clipper on uh, Swerve. But before he could finish him off with the move, Jordan Devlin came over. He grabbed Garza and uh, caught him with a headbutt. Knocked him down. And then he used his Devlin side back suplex with a bridge into a pin on Swerve. I believe on Swerve for the win. And this was a uh, just all action. So a lot of fun this match was, but a very odd move, taking the title off of Angel Garza, who was easily the most popular person in this match, taking the championship off of him so soon after he just won it. I mean, when did he win it? He he won it within the last uh, month and a half, I feel like. Uh, Maybe he's main roster bound. I, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Probably not. I hope not. And now the title is on an NXT UK talent which means it can be defended across shows or, or even across continents now. But I know they're very high on uh, Jordan Devlin. Shawn Michaels has talked about him, and Shawn Michaels is basically running the NXT UK brand now, so he's you know, he, he's very much behind uh, Jordan Devlin and Dragunov and people like that. I still say don't sleep on Tyler Bate, because he, he's the one guy, and, and Jordan Devlin is very talented, uh, and he may go on to great uh, superstardom in the future. But I still look at Tyler Bate, and I'm amazed every time I look at this guy in the ring. Uh, the things that he can do, the matches he has, tag matches, singles matches, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, the guy is is a marvel in the ring. So They have a lot of talented people on that roster, but uh, let's not forget they have Tyler Bate, who is uh, still one of the very best. Speaking of Tyler Bate, Mustache Mountain. Tyler Bate and Trent Seven against DIY, Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa, reunited if only for one night. 
this was, in, in a way, this was kind of like a, a dream uh, tag team match. And it was every bit as uh, excellent as you would expect it to be. It was a uh, back and forth between Bate and Champa, Led to a Tyler Driver 97 for a near fall. DIY had their meeting in the middle knee strike super kick combo all set up. And it got cut off by a bop and bang. There was a spiral tap by Bate accidentally connected with his own partner. Uh, they had put Tommaso down with a burning hammer diving knee combo. Two count only. DIY makes a comeback. They hit Trent Seven with the meeting in the middle for the win. All four men shook hands like a good sport after the match was over. This was great. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This was just a great attraction with uh, DIY going over. Rhea Ripley against Tony Storm for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, it was good, but I thought very unspectacular. Kind of disappointing. I mean, again, the work was was fine. It was solid, but kind of disappointing, to be honest. I was expecting more out of this. Storm missed the frog splash. Rhea hit her with the Riptide to retain the title in about 10 minutes. And Imperium against Undisputed Era. That was the main event, and it felt like one, too. This had a big fight feel the way that uh, the Shield and the Wyatts did when they first met in the Elimination Chamber. Although those two teams got a standing ovation before they even touched when they had their first match. Uh, but this this had that kind of feel to it here. These two factions meeting for the first time, you know, four on four, turned into four on three. Alexander Wolf got legit KO'd early on by a Bobby Fish kick that connected a little too well. And the match had to be stopped briefly. The medic came over. They got Wolf out of there. He never did come back out. Uh, so the match was four on three from that point on, with Undisputed Era having the man advantage. Wolf tweeted after the show, he said, I'm fine. Uh, it was all my fault. He put hashtag chin up uh, because he had his chin tucked, I guess, when he shouldn't have. And so, lesson learned. I don't think he'll be doing that again. Roddy went chop for chop with Walter. If I had to be chopped by either Walter or Roderick Strong, I would retire. Roddy gave Walter an Olympic slam at one point, threw the announce table outside the ring. Walter made a comeback later, got the hot tag. Chops for everybody. Walter won the match for his squad. Powerbomb on Kyle O'Reilly fell forward with all of his weight on top of O'Reilly for the pin. Big pop for Imperium winning here in Houston. Kind of, uh, I guess it shouldn't be surprising, but uh, a little surprising to me. People seem to love the uh, finish. This was a fight. I thought this lived up to the hype. Even one man down, these guys didn't skip a beat. In fact, it worked better. 
with Imperium coming off as the underdogs, right? They're one man down. What are they? You know, they have the disadvantage here. What are they going to do? And they come back and pick up the victory. So the two brands end up splitting with three wins apiece to end the night, which means nothing was resolved. So I say, bring on round two. As you know, I was on the Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, part due. I did not go on the first cruise last year. But after this, there is a very good chance this will not be my last. And at the risk of sounding like I'm blowing smoke up the man's ass, I have to, before I get into the trip and everything else, I have to hand it to uh, Chris Jericho and what he has been able to do. His band got invited. The way this all came about is that Fozzie was invited to work the Kiss Cruise about five years ago. And he does the Kiss Cruise and he comes out of it and he says to himself, you know, I can do this myself. So he takes the idea to WWE, who he was still working for at the time, because he wants to have NXT talent on the ship. And of course, WWE says no. Vince McMahon is worried about people getting food poisoning because he heard about a cruise where everybody got food poisoning. Some bullshit excuse. Instead of just saying, it's not our idea, and we're not going to make any money off of it, so fuck off. So he goes and talks to Triple H, and he tells Triple H, he says, you know, I'm, I'm doing this cruise with or without you guys. And Triple H says, yeah, sure, no, no, no problem, go ahead. Do your cruise. So Jericho turns around, and he signs a deal to bring Ring of Honor talent on the cruise. I think they had that, uh, it was a Sea of Honor or something they called it, tournament on the ship. And he does Jericho Cruise number one, which goes well enough that he brings it back for an encore. Meanwhile... He signs a deal to work a match with Kenny Omega on the biggest New Japan show of the year. This is a couple years ago. He's always maintained that he would never work for another wrestling company outside of, of WWE anywhere on American soil because WWE is the pinnacle and it didn't make any sense for him to burn a bridge or to work for anybody else. So on American soil, that was kind of his out, which allowed him to go do stuff with New Japan. But he always maintained on American soil... I'm never going to work for another wrestling company. Japan, though, I guess is is fair game. Then Tony Khan gets in his ear about this new startup called All Elite Wrestling. And Jericho makes a cameo at All In, dressed up as Pentagon. He knows that this thing is going to be the biggest independent show ever put together. And he wants to be part of it. He's a smart guy. So he he works his way into a cameo on the show. Then he gets this amazing offer to join AEW for more money, he says, than he ever made on a single contract in all the years and all the contracts that he ever signed with WWE. Now, mind you, this man is almost 50 years old by this point, and he's saying that he's been offered a contract bigger than any he's ever been offered before. And he signs to become essentially the face of the company. And so, so much for not working for another promotion on American soil. Now he's running opposite WWE every week, live on TNT. He wins their world title. He forms his own faction. He stumbles onto a new product with one stupid little remark, and suddenly he, he's got his own brand of champagne that sells 10,000 bottles in its first day on sale. And now, on cruise number two, he sells out all the cabins, and AEW runs a television taping on the ship. And next year, they're doing it again, only this time the show will air live on TNT. Meanwhile, the cruise has turned into a great vehicle for him to promote his own band. 
his band, and his bubbly. When you walked into your cabin on the ship, guess what was waiting for you in the room on the bed? A little bit of the bubbly. Smart. Smart. He is the smartest businessman in the business right now where talent is concerned. Because he's still performing in the ring. He's still a talent. But he is the smartest businessman out there right now when it comes to uh, any of these wrestlers. And you got to respect the guy's moxie. He has now built a new brand with this cruise. This thing is going to be the new destination. That's what he's trying to make it. The new destination every year now for wrestling fans. And as somebody who had never gone on a cruise a day in his life before last week, he's on to something here. He has hit on something special. But I just look at this and I'm, I'm like standing on the pool deck at one point. And I'm looking at him performing. He's like a, doing a Fozzy concert. I'm looking at all the branding and all the banners and the bubbly being given out. And he's doing all of his songs. And I'm just thinking to myself, this SOB has created this whole cruise built around promoting every single thing <laughs> that he does. He's going to wrestle on the cruise. He's going to sing on the cruise. He's got his products on the cruise. You know, whether you like the guy or not, you got to admit, it's smart. It is smart. I will say that I had a blast on this trip. Uh, so did uh, seem like most of the 2,100 paying guests that they had, 846 of which, according to Jericho, were female. That's in response to all of the oxygen thieves who thought they were being very witty with their cracks about the cruise being a sausage fest. Oh, I don't see any women on the boat in these pictures. Well, that's funny because I saw plenty of ladies on the boat. Now, whether they were all wrestling fans or not, that I don't know. Many of them were. And I'm not even sure why any of that even matters. You know, for a lot of people, it's a vacation getaway. For me, I live in New York. It's cold as shit in January. Although right now it's not too bad, actually. It's in the 40s and 50s in New York. But typically, New York is a place in January and February. You want to go to a warmer climate. You want to go to a warmer destination. That was that was the mindset behind uh, this whole trip in the first place. It's a getaway. You're you're getting away from civilization. You're on a boat in the middle of the ocean with all kinds of activities. You know, for the people who have asked me, and I'm going to get into all the different details here because I've had a lot of people ask me what do they have to do and ha- and how much was it. I'm going to get into all that. I'm going to give you the whole primer on this whole trip here. But there's a gym, uh, which I I am proud to say at least I hit one day. Uh, at least I hit it one day. There's a gym, there's a spa, there's bowling, there's a rock climbing wall, there's a casino. If you're a degenerate gambler, then you go there. There's a pool, there's a hot tub, there's live wrestling every night, there's concerts, there's karaoke. You know, one minute you've got DDP yelling at people on the pool deck, not using proper forum on Down Dog. In the room next door, Gabriel Iglesias is doing a comedy show. One level down from that, Jake Roberts is telling Macho Man stories and telling stories about a sick rib that he once pulled on Rick Root involving a ring rat that I'm not going to repeat. You get a little bit of everything on this cruise. By the way, if you've heard him tell that story before, it's fucking sick. <laughs> this guy's absolutely sick. Uh, tons of wrestlers walking around everywhere throughout the week. Obviously, a lot of AEW talent. But also non-AEW talent and legends. They had Ric Flair was on the cruise. I never saw him, nor was I uh, dying to find him. I really couldn't care less. I've met him before anyway. But Ric Flair was on the cruise. Diamond Dallas Page was on board to host some DDPY sessions. He did a an 83 Weeks podcast with Eric Bischoff, who was there. 
Scott Hall was there, Jake Roberts, Chavo and Vicky, MVP, Victoria, Booker T. Booker T had Booker T had a great answer for why he was able to do the cruise as somebody who works for WWE doing the pay-per-view kickoff shows every month and he's a Fox employee, right? He does the he's got the gig on backstage every week. He said he could do it because I'm a grown ass man and I do whatever the fuck I want. That may be the best answer to a question about anything that I've heard in a very long time. I'm a grown ass man and I do whatever the fuck I want. Gotta love Booker T. One of the cooler moments for me was bumping into Jericho's dad, Ted Irvin. Uh, we actually bumped into him three different times on this trip, completely unexpected, completely unplanned. Uh, the first one wasn't even on the ship. I got into Miami a, a day early, and uh, that night in Miami, before the cruise even started, you know, we were walking along this uh, main street. I forgot which street it was. It was closed off at night. They had all kinds of like art stands and stuff. And I look up. And I recognized him right away because he was just on Dynamite a few weeks ago. But there he is, New York Rangers legend, Ted Irvin. Could not be a nicer guy. And he was talking us up to the point his family had to pull him away. It's like, come on, we got to go here. And he's like, hey, find me on the ship. And uh, he ended up finding us on the ship by accident. We didn't find him. He found us. There were nearly two dozen matches on the ship, spread out over the course of four days, uh, including one on the first day between Britt Baker and Allie that was just painful to watch. I mean, this was a horrendous match. And there was another non-televised match a couple of days later, the first mixed tag team match in AEW history, with men being allowed to fight the women and vice versa with Kenny Omega and Riho. I didn't even know Riho was on the cruise. Apparently she flew in from Japan. It was Kenny Omega and Riho. Kenny Omega's a big uh, Riho fan. Teaming up to take on Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford in what I thought was actually a damn good match. The complete opposite of whatever that Britt Baker match was. This was a damn fine match. I'm not going to spoil the outcome because I don't know if they may use this on Dark this week or not, so I won't uh, say who won. But uh, we were supposed to get a rematch between John Moxley and Sammy Guevara in the first match on day one. And Sammy did come out, but he did not wrestle. He only did an angle later on where Moxley finally caught up to him and he planted him with the, uh, with the uh, paradigm shift. In fact, Sammy did not wrestle at all on the cruise. And when I spotted him by the elevators, his ankle was all taped up. Apparently, he injured his ankle a week before, not in a match but trying to take off his shoes. I don't know if he rolled his ankle, if he broke something in his ankle, but he hurt his ankle. I don't I don't get the sense it's very serious. He was walking around on it and everything, but that's a hell of a way to get injured, trying to take your shoes off. Uh, among those 20-plus matches that they had on the cruise, there was a dynamite taping on Tuesday while we were docked in the Bahamas. Uh, great atmosphere. It really did, uh, you know, being there live was... A lot of fun. It was very windy. Uh, And when I watched it back on TV, it came through on the audio, unfortunately. I'm not sure that there's anything they can do about that unless they put netting of some kind up. If they could somehow put, like, uh, 15-foot netting, maybe, attach it somehow all around the ship, that doesn't sound practical. Uh, You're in the middle of the ocean. There's not a whole lot you can do about that. But 
Very much had the look and feel of one of those old Club La Vila spring break nitro shows from back in the day, right down to somebody getting thrown into the pool. Uh, Jim Ross noted that he was not wearing his trademark cowboy hat for fear that it would fly away. We had the AEW tag team titles on the line in the opener, SCU, defending against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Hangman and Kenny get the win. This was the first title change in AEW history and an excellent opener. They are still teasing dissension between Page and the rest of the elite. You know, the Bucks came out and they were celebrating with Kenny and just the look on Hangman's face like, oh, you're celebrating with him and not me. I see. So he leaves the ring and he jumps into the crowd and they body surf him and he's drinking beer because he's got a drinking problem, of course. So uh, so this was great. And now the inevitable match is against the Young Bucks, which I figured is where this whole thing was going to end up to begin with. I, I thought the Bucks would beat SCU to win the belts last month. And this was going to be the inevitable uh the inevitable match. So they took the long way, and instead we have Hangman and uh, Omega. I guess will be the ones defending the belts against the Bucks whenever they decide to do that match. I would guess at the Revolution pay per view next month would be my guess. We had Britt Baker against Priscilla Kelly. She uh, beat Kelly with the lockjaw. So after the match, Tony Schiavone gets into the ring. He's wearing his uh, Caribbean gear. His uh, short sleeve uh, island island shirt is uh, Tony Schiavone here. He gets into the ring to interview Britt Baker. And Britt Baker proceeds to cut a heel promo. She's mocking Tony for working at Starbucks, which, in fact, I don't know if he, I don't know that he still does, but a number of years ago, I think this was before he even started his podcast with Conrad, it was just something he wanted to do. I mean, he's always been doing the uh, minor league baseball and football announcing uh, down there in, in the Atlanta area. But he just one day said, I want to become a barista at Starbucks. And he and he did, in fact. He was, for a time, working at Starbucks as a barista. So she brings this up and she says, you know, you were working at Starbucks and you, know, you were a shitty barista and I'm proud of you because you went from that to where you are now and everybody looks up to me. I'm the hottest woman on this boat. Just look at me. I'm smart and I'm educated. I'm a dentist. Uh, I didn't realize on TV they cut the promo off uh, midway through. Now, maybe it was designed that way. You know, she talks so much about herself, we're just going to cut her off. Uh, I just, I thought this was no good. I, I do think turning her heel is the way to go. She's a fucking dentist. Nobody likes the dentist. All due respect to all the dentists out there. People are terrified of the dentist. You can have the most immaculate teeth in the world. Nobody likes people poking around their teeth and their gums with sharp instruments. Nobody likes root canals. Nobody likes having a cavity filled or a tooth pulled. How she was a babyface to begin with, I'll never know. So her being a heel is the correct move, but it doesn't mean that her matches and promos are automatically good all of a sudden. They are not. We had the inner circle. Chris Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz taking on the Jurassic Express, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt. One of the best moments from any of the matches, all crews, was Jericho coming out to Judas the crowd's singing along, and even when they cut the music off, the crowd said, fuck that, we're going to finish this song, and they finished it out. It's a great moment. Uh, Jericho pinned Marco's stunt after hitting the Judas effect. He still can't figure out Jungle Boy, still can't put him down, but Marco made for uh, some pretty easy prey. MJF beat Joey Janela. 
Janela was up top and he looked out by the stage and there was Kip Sabian and his his uh, legit ex-girlfriend, Penelope Ford, making out with Kip Sabian. And that distracted him and he missed his elbow drop and then MJF uh, used the his version of the crossroads, which he calls the double cross, spiked uh, Janela right on his head and got the pin. So MJF gets the mic and he's running down Cody and he's running down the fans and, you know, he's, you know, says Cody last week talked about uh, how MJF is just a chapter in his book. And MJF said, you're right. I am a chapter in your book. I'm the last goddamn one. So Cody shows up and MJF reminds him, you can't touch me because if you do, there's no match at Revolution. But that doesn't mean that the Young Bucks can't touch him. So as he goes to leave, he turns around and he gets a uh, double super kick. And the Bucks drag him over to the swimming pool and they chuck MJF into the pool. He's flailing around like he can't swim. You knew somebody was going in the pool. And it turned out to be MJF. And they ended the uh, the taping with John Moxley beating Pac in a match where the winner would meet Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship at Revolution next month. Elevated Death Rider wins it. A very good match between Pac and Moxley. Uh, this Wednesday, Jericho, Santana, and Ortiz team up again, this time to take on Darby Allen and Private Party. The Young Bucks take on The Butcher and The Blade. And uh, Cody wrestles Kip Sabian. So that is the lineup for Dynamite coming up this Wednesday. So on the last day of the matches, which would have been Thursday, and I have no idea if any of these matches are ever going to see the light of day, if they're going to be used on AEW Dark, I have no idea. But the final night had Cody beating Joey Janela in the last match, and then he calls, he says, we need some baby faces out here. and Somebody back there, please, come on out. So out comes SCU and... Daniels cuts a speech, you know, I've been doing this 27 years, and this is, you know, one of the best times of my career, and Cody calls out Tony Khan, and uh, Moxley's out there as well, but he calls out Tony Khan, and Tony comes out, and, 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 you know, again, people were giving Tony shit when he did the whole stunner thing a few months ago, and I said at the time, I said, it's not a big deal, it did not air on television, it was, I think, Steve Austin's birthday, and they were just being silly. They called him into the ring. He did a stunner. Who the fuck cares? I don't get the sense that Tony... You know, when he says that I'm not going to be an authority figure on TV, I don't want to be on TV, I get the sense he's he's telling the truth. He came out here. They weren't even on TV. And he looked nervous as all hell, like he just wanted to say something real quick. He thanked everybody. He put the mic down. He couldn't wait to get out of there. <laughs> he did not want to be there. So we got... Moxley then gets the mic. And he's got the eye patch on and everything. He looks like a pirate. And so Pirate Moxley takes the microphone. He says, you know, when I was a kid, when I was younger, one of my favorite wrestlers was the Sandman. And he was going to do his best Sandman impersonation. The only problem was he didn't have any beer cans. So he said, we don't have any Budweiser's, but we've got a bunch of fucking White Claws. So we're going to make do. And he guzzled one of them down and he smashed the can against his forehead a whole bunch of times. I don't think he bled. But he did his best uh, Sandman impersonation. But the best part of all of this, this, this really was the Moxley cruise. We got John Moxley karaoke. I don't know about you guys. I, you know, some people hate karaoke. They're not very good at it. They just don't get the appeal of it. I like karaoke. I'm not one to say whether I'm good or bad at it, but I enjoy it. I enjoy watching it. 
I have my song that I do, my go-to, and everybody has uh, you know their their song that they like. Anyway, John Moxley, I didn't get to do any myself. I wasn't doing that, but I did uh, watch John Moxley doing karaoke. He sang "Sweet Caroline." That I did not see live, but I did uh, I did catch him singing "Bohemian Rhapsody" by Queen with Priscilla Kelly and Darby Allen. He joined in during the climax of the song. And Moxley later on did The Bad Touch by the Bloodhound Gang, which is an oldie but a goodie. I say oldie, of course. It goes back to the late 90s now is considered oldie, I guess. So I managed to record some video of uh, the latter two, which uh, I will include when this hits YouTube. But you're going to hear me talking over it, unfortunately, because if I play the audio, the YouTube gods will get angry with me and they'll copyright strike it. So even karaoke. Even karaoke, they can strike you for it. Uh, if, if a fucking car drives by outside while I'm live streaming and they're playing Umbop by Hanson, they can strike me. Which, in this neighborhood, I guarantee you that will never ever happen. But if it did, YouTube would know about it. So, I'll play the video on uh, on the YouTube clip. But if you want the video with the audio, it's up on my Twitter right now. At Solomonster. If you want to judge for yourself how good of a karaoke uh, uh, performer... John Moxley is. He's got the voice of... Uh, his voice is a lot closer to Vince McMahon, to be honest with you. He sounds a little bit like he's been gargling gravel or a concrete. But if you want to see the video with the audio, at Solomonster on Twitter, uh, people loved that Bohemian Rhapsody video. Last I checked, it had over 140,000 views. And I think half of that 140,000 probably uh, tagged Renee Young on the video, so I'm sure she must have seen it by now. I mean, hell, she's probably heard it herself. In the shower. Maybe in bed. Who knows? Sing a little queen as things start to get hot and heavy. Priscilla Kelly also sang Wanna Be by the Spice Girls, and Nyla Rose sang I'm on a Boat by the Lonely Island and T-Pain. Luchasaurus, he sang some songs without his mask on, and Marco Stunt sang uh, a little bit as well. He also joined Jericho on stage at one point during his Fozzie concert. I got video of Luchasaurus chokeslamming Marco Stunt into the crowd, who then body surfed him before sending him back. Uh, Moxley was wearing his eye patch through all of the karaoke uh, nonsense to sell the storyline injury from that spike to the eye from uh, Chris Jericho. So anybody doubting his commitment to kayfabe, you can doubt no more. Uh, Moxley looked like he was having the time of his life on this cruise. He stole some of Jericho's thunder away. It was less the Jericho cruise and more the Moxley cruise. And they're nuts if they don't have him back next year for an event called Moxley Sings the Hits. I think they have to dedicate a whole karaoke session to him just singing. The fans can choose. I think the fans should be allowed to choose what song they want him to sing. And then he should be forced to sing it. If that isn't an attraction on the cruise next year, then they're doing something wrong. But uh, he was having a blast. And it is amazing what being away from shitty creative will do to a man's happiness. No inoculations. No gas masks. He seems like a happy guy. The other realization I came to, having listened to it a bunch of times now, is that Moxley's theme music in AEW is fantastic. I may like it even better than the instrumental that he used in WWE. And that was a great song too. You can decide for yourself. It's up on iTunes and Spotify right now if you want to download it. 
Uh, it's called Unscripted Violence by Violent Idols. They have a whole bunch of AEW themes up there now. Uh, Jurassic Express is up there. Darby Allen, Pack. They have a few others. Uh, the Orange Cassidy stuff, you know, everybody said, oh, you gotta, you gotta put the Orange Cassidy gear on, you know, don't shave and, you know, go, go dress up as Orange Cassidy. You gotta meet Orange Cassidy. The two of you have to meet, you have to take a photo together. You've got to be in the same place at the same time. And that coward was not on the cruise. That, that cowardly imposter was somewhere else. He was not on this cruise. None of the best friends were. Trent wasn't there, Chuck wasn't there, Chucky, whatever the fuck. And uh, the Orange Cassidy imposter was not there either. So I took it upon myself to uh, take his place and got some uh, some amusing photos with Cody and Hangman, the Elite, SCU. Actually, all of them except Cody were cool in terms of doing the uh, kind of the unenthusiastic Orange Cassidy thumbs up. I mean, Cody was nice and all. He was the only one, though, out of everybody who didn't stand up when people came up to take their photo uh, during the photo session, uh, which is fine. I mean, whatever, I guess. But everybody else did. Everybody else was cool about it. I got, you know, they they were they played along. They were great. But one of the peak moments of the day uh, during the photo stuff on the ship was... <laughs> so MJF is doing one of the photo sessions. Has this look on his face like he doesn't want... And I take that back. Actually, MJF was the other one who did not stand up. uh, Other than Cody for the photos. But with MJF, you can understand that it's part of his shtick, right? He doesn't want to be there. He's surrounded by a bunch of wrestling nerds and geeks. He'd rather be anywhere. He'd rather jump off the ship than have to do this. But he's sitting there with this puss on his face. And this fan in a wheelchair comes rolling up to him for his photo. And MJF is, is... He looks at him... And he says, well, here comes Hot Wheels. And the guy comes over and he says, you know, I'm going to do something for you that I would not do for anybody else. I'm going to do something that you, and he's pointing at the guy in the wheelchair, I'm going to do something that you could never do. And he stood up to take the photo. Uh, You know, look, (laughs) you can tell, by the way, the guy in the the wheelchair, he loved it. Okay. I mean, obviously he, he loved it, but... The man never broke. The whole point is the man never broke the entire trip. No matter where I saw him, if it was in an elevator, if he was if he was at a photo op, he never broke the entire time I saw him. On and you can bitch all you want to, as many people did. My God, the softies who came out to attack me for posting that. You can bitch and moan and why and piss and complain all you want to. Of oh, what an awful thing! What a horrible person you are, laughing at something like that. Relax. He gets paid to be a douchebag. Take a pill and relax. Okay, I know it might be that time of the month for you. Take a pill, you'll be alright. He was an equal opportunity offender on this cruise. The next person, someone, uh, shall we say, on the heavier side, walked up for their photo with uh, Mr. MJF, who looked into the camera and said, Say diabetes! Then the next guy walked up. He had a barbed wire tattoo around his arm. And for him, it was, say, virgin. Other people, he couldn't even stand to look them in the eye. He, he took his $45,000 diamond ring that he won. He shoved it in people's faces for them to kiss. I mean, this guy was on the entire time. I admire that. I admire that. He was actually on my flight back to New York. He and uh, private party. It was a private party on uh, Delta Airlines back to New York. 
Those are all the uh, the New York boys. I think Ortiz was on there as well. I don't know where Santana was, but Ortiz was on the flight too. So this was a cruise to Nassau. We only had one day in Nassau. We were docked one day, and if you wanted to be in the audience for the Dynamite taping, you had to be back by a certain time. So we were kind of limited in, in what we could do. We ended up doing this uh, Blue Lagoon Island sea lion excursion. So you get on a boat, and, and so we get on this other boat, right? We get off the big boat to get on the smaller boat. And who do we see the moment we walk on the boat? The Young Bucks. They're going to do the sea lion excursion with us. Cool. Okay. So we take the boat to Blue Lagoon Island, and basically on one side you have the beach, and you can just hang out by the beach and do whatever you want. And on the other side, they have the sea lions. And, you know, you're going to go, and they're going to show you, they're going to do tricks, and they're going to, you're going to pet the sea lions, and you take your picture with them, whatever. This is what the group, the larger group, had decided on. You could do Atlantis. They have a water park at Atlantis. It's kind of pricey, though. Very touristy. Uh, you could do, uh, they were going to do the st- something with stingrays, and I vetoed that. I don't, I don't want to be anywhere near the stingrays. So we settled on the sea lions, and, and that was and that was fine. Uh, you pretty much, though, have your pick of what you want to do. So if you're wondering, does everybody have to do the same thing? No, people, you don't even have to get off the ship if you don't want to. You can stay on the ship the entire time. But you kind of feel cooped up after a while. So you get off and you pay for whatever excursion you want to do. You just got to make sure you get your ass back to the boat in time. <laughs> Otherwise, you're up Shit's Creek. You're gonna be you're gonna be taking a flight back home. That's what you're gonna be doing. Jericho's already announced a third cruise for next year, February first through February fifth, the week before the Super Bowl. Again on the Norwegian Pearl. Uh, this time they're gonna be docking not in Nassau but in Freeport, Grand Bahama Island. Uh, I know that area was devastated by Hurricane Dorian uh, last year, so it's kind of surprising that they're going there. Uh, maybe they figure a year from now things will kind of be back to normal, but I i mean, I would be surprised. I mean, they got just destroyed by that hurricane last year. So I would be very surprised if, if that area was really back up and running you know, the way it was before. But uh, I guess they figure it'll be uh, good enough to uh, to dock in, uh, in, in Grand Bahama Island next year. Everybody in my group is is open to going again next year. Nothing is set in stone. This is my first year not going to WrestleMania since 28 in Miami. So this, this was my big vacation for the year. And it looks like going forward, the Jericho Cruise may possibly displace WrestleMania as our uh, annual trip. You know, at least until they bring Mania back to Las Vegas. When they bring Mania back to Vegas, they haven't been to Vegas for a WrestleMania since 1993. If they bring Mania back to Vegas, which I am convinced is going to happen in 2022 for WrestleMania 38, if we assume that LA is getting WrestleMania next year, and that seems to be the belief, is that WrestleMania will be in Los Angeles in 2021, uh, then there's a good chance they end up in Vegas at that new football stadium in 2022. And if that happens, then I, I have to go. But... You know, I met a lot of people on this trip, not as many as I would meet for, for Mania Weekend, like when I host the meetup events, but shout out to Greg, good mic work on YouTube, we've talked over the years, we never actually had a chance to meet, and I got to hang out for a while with him and, and his uh, better half, who is a huge Bret Hart fan, even a bigger fan maybe than I am. So that was cool to see her, you know, pictures of her decked out in uh, Bret Hart uh, gear. Shout out to Nicholas 
from Belgium, the Belgian brute from our PayPal family. I had a great conversation with him. He was kind enough to bring authentic Belgian chocolates from his family and make them at their shop, and he brought them, and that was very kind of him to do. Uh, Scott Woodford, another member of our PayPal clan. I met Scott before in Vegas for Double or Nothing, but he and I chatted for a long time. Scott lost his leg a few years ago. Uh, I've never heard him complain once. He's always had a good sense of humor about things, and he goes on these trips, and he has the time of his life, and he's a good dude. So it was glad to see him again, and, and Christian, and anyone else I'm forgetting. I apologize. But that's always a favorite part of these you know, wrestling trips for me. I get to meet people who listen to the podcast and, and talk to them and hang out for a little bit. Now, I've heard from people asking, how much did it cost you to go on this cruise? How much is a cabin if I want to go next year? And do I have to pay all at once? Or can you pay in installments? Just relaying my own experience here. Uh, the trip in total cost me around two grand. Now, mind you, there were five of us, okay? Three of us shared a room together, which is not ideal, but it did help save a lot of money. Uh, because we split it three ways, though, we were able to spring for a mini suite with a balcony. And I will tell you that if you can, uh, a room with a balcony is the way to go. I spent a lot of time out on that balcony just looking out into the ocean. It is fantastic. If you can spring the extra money for a cabin with a balcony, then absolutely get one. Uh, but I would say it ran each of us for the cabin split three ways. It ran each of us about eight or 900 bucks. And yes, we, we paid in, I think about four installments. It was throughout the year. So then you factor in everything else, the meals, uh, the excursion in Nassau, which costs money, airfare to get there. You tack on $240 in taxes and fees, and it, it comes out to about two grand. You can do it for less. You can absolutely do it for, for less than what we did, but if you're going by yourself, and I, I would always say, you know, better to find at least one other person to go with, but if you're going by yourself, you're not getting a cabin for less than 1500 bucks, And that's the low end of it. It's just not going to happen. But as part of what we spent, you know, we paid for this uh, specialty dining package. It gave us three meals at some of the nicer restaurants on board. Uh, that saved us a little bit of money, so that worked out well. There was an Italian restaurant, there was a steakhouse that we ate at, a uh, hibachi place, you know, the rest was, uh, the buffet, and, and, you know, they have, look, there's a ton of restaurants, there's a ton of bars, uh, my one criticism was that the internet on board was atrocious, and I was the idiot who caved, and I paid for what was supposed to be full access to email and web browsing and social media, and uh, the social media stuff is really barely the only thing that worked for me. But then again, I have to remind myself, we're on a boat in the middle of the freaking ocean. So what do you expect? But uh, the way I look at it is this, and my friend made a good point. If they can master Wi-Fi, 35,000 feet in the air on airplanes, you would think they could do the same here. But I get it. You're in the middle of the sea. And I'm a slave to my phone, as many people are, and trying to be in the loop on everything at all times when... You just got to enjoy being on vacation sometimes. You got to forget about all that shit. I can't help it. it I I know, you know, put the put the phone down and just enjoy what you're doing. I know, I know. But um, I was warned in advance how bad the Wi-Fi might be. That's why I didn't bother bringing my laptop with me. That's why I couldn't go live for a Dynamite stream after the show on Wednesday. There was no way. And I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I left it at home. 
But if you do choose to go next year and you plan on getting a lot of work done, don't. Just go and have fun. The work will be there waiting for you when you get back, just as it was for me. I assure you. But uh, on the whole, I really enjoyed it. Uh, didn't get sick or anything like that. You take your Dramamine, you'll be fine. Uh, if, if you've been on a cruise before, a non-wrestling cruise, then all of this is not news to you. But a lot of people have never, they've never gone before. And I was one of those people. And, and now that I've, now that I've done it, uh, would I do it again? Absolutely. Uh, AEW's debut, by the way, in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center for Dynamite. They're going to be there on March 25th, uh, per the Observer has already sold more than 10,000 tickets in its first day on sale. Uh, now, I think they wanted MSG, but WWE has pretty much got them on lockdown at this point, especially after how poorly that AAA show did in October when they had to move the show out of the garden and next door into the smaller uh, theater outside Madison Square Garden. So they're running Newark instead. It's it's the New York, New Jersey area so of course you know you're going to have a lot of wrestling fans uh 10,000 plus in uh in the first day is pretty good you know some of these other towns that they've been to these smaller cities it's tough for them you know that's why they did the whole legends of memphis thing a few weeks ago they were trying to sell tickets you know tickets were not moving and some of these buildings they get 3,000 people 4,000 people so uh in jersey they're going to have a lot more than than 4,000 people and uh, I don't know, I guess t- tickets must still be available. I'm sure they didn't sell out. If you want to uh, get in on that, then uh, you you may do so. That's really all I got for you this week. Uh, I don't have any mailbag questions. I have a ton of emails I have to go through in my inbox. I have not had time to, uh, to do that. RSPW Rewind, I said, that'll be back next week. And tonight is the Royal Rumble. So I want to get this out to you guys as quickly as possible because it's going to take a couple of hours to get everything... Uh, finalized and uploaded here so i will leave you with that hopefully i answered uh, most or all of your questions as it relates to the cruise if you uh, are thinking about doing it next year and uh, you can follow me on twitter i would advise you to do so tonight at solomon sir i'll be live tweeting during the royal rumble pay-per-view and going live on youtube as soon as the event is over so just type in Solomonster sounds off on youtube you'll see the logo for the show the official channel we've got uh, over fifty-five thousand subs and hopefully you are one of them. If not, then you need to correct that and get on there because we got the monthly pay-per-view streams, the weekly Dynamite streams. We have uh, sound off video inboxes that I plan on doing more of and a lot of uh, fun content on the channel. So hopefully you will join me there tonight. I will be back for episode 637 of the Sound Off next Sunday. I guess next uh, Sunday is the Super Bowl. So I'll have to give my uh, Super Bowl prediction next Sunday as well. Always very exciting. Always very exciting when a uh, a casual football fan gives his Super Bowl prediction. Yes. Yes, I will be sure to do that next week. So until then, be well, stay safe, have yourselves a fantastic week, enjoy the Rumble if you are watching, and I will see you back here for more Sound Off, uh, well, tonight on YouTube and then again next weekend. Until then, take care, guys. The Salamonster sounds off. Hello. Morrison versus Adam Cole. Morrison versus Ben Balor. Morrison versus Tommaso Ciampa. Morrison versus Ray Keith. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Were you Tom drinking Keith. during the pay-per-view tonight? Uh, <laughs> I was. Okay, I thought so. See, I thought so. Okay. <laughs>
The Salamonster Sounds Off, available wherever you hear podcasts, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and now Pandora. Want more content? Visit YouTube.com slash The Salamonster for Sound Off extras and more. And follow The Salamonster on Twitter, at Salamonster. 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 Put that cigarette out. Salamonster Sounds Off.